Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You know, because too often prayer is, it's from a, an, an, a, an uneducated or ignorant mindset of what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross. You know, we pray things, if it be thy will, when we know that it was in his will. Lord, if you want this to happen for me, you know, now I'm not talking about jobs and cars and houses. I'm talking about the stuff that Jesus paid for on the cross. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Everything that's wrapped up in salvation, everything that's wrapped up in this word of being saved, which is healed, made whole, delivered, restored, rescued, prospered, provided for, all of that stuff was paid for by Jesus on the cross. And every aspect of that salvation comes to you by grace through faith. You know, we're saved by grace through faith, not our works. So we get to a point where it's like, okay, I finally actually believe God loves me. You know, a lot of people come into this message and kind of you're delivered from religion where you're off the hamster wheel of trying to keep God happy and you know, maybe, maybe you've been in an environment where it's like the extent or the highest form of spirituality is that you can do miracles. You ever been in an environment? You know, don't raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, I tricked him. But, you know, it's like you've seen those places. We've all, been, we've all had those thoughts in our minds, you know. It's like I'll be really spiritual when I can do miracles. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, the mark of someone... The most spiritual person on the planet is measured by the degree of peace that they walk in, the degree of joy that they have as fueled by grace within them. Righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom, not necessarily being able to do miracles. Now, the kingdom is not in word alone. It is in power. So there should be a corresponding display of power with our preaching. And that, that's where... Churches kind of set up pillars. You know, it's got how many, how many denominations? Like 20,000 denominations we have now. And it's, it's not necessarily because we disagree, although that does happen to create denominations. But one of the biggest issues that creates de- denominations is just how far we'll go with God. It's like, you know, the first church of this will go this far. The second church of this will go maybe that far. The third, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we, it's like and, and so the first, third, and second churches limit God in different ways. Really, denominations are just all the ways we limit God. If we could just live unhindered in open faith toward God, there would be no denominations. There'd be one body on the church, that'd be the body of Christ, walking in grace and favor, displaying his power as led by his spirit. Man, that sounds like, that sounds like a, good, a good idea. Oh yeah, God came up with that. We're just the ones messing it up. So, you know, we have to answer this question. We have to answer the, the, the question of, are, are the gifts for today? I believe that they are. You're in this church, so you probably do too, on some level. But then it's like, okay, where, where are the boundaries? Is it me? Is it God? Is it, 
if God wants me well, is it up to him to send it and give it? Is it, do I have to go find the right person to pray for me? Do they have the anointing that I need to get under? And maybe that, you know, all that stuff, all that religion that creates all the questions and wonders and all that, it takes us off the very simple truth that Jesus showed us the Father and Jesus walked around healing all the time. Healing is the will of God. I mean, sickness is never the will of God. Because if Jesus showed us the Father, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, has there ever been a time that Jesus, somebody that came to him, he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to heal you yet because you need to suffer a little bit more to become patient enough, then you can qualify for this healing. I mean, you know, you just, you just don't see that. Not once. Not once did someone come to Jesus and he said, you know, wait, wait. Oh, my father tells me it's not your time to be healed yet. You need to sit and wait and then walk away from him. No. Everybody that came to him got healed. God's timing for you to experience the benefits of what Jesus paid for is now. Now, if it's external stuff with marriage and spouses and jobs and cars and all that stuff that's in the world that's going to go away, there may be timing issues with that. There may be just limitations of how you think and what's written on your heart of what you'll allow yourself to see in these moments right now. But I'm talking about the things that you personally can experience from God that have been given to you in Jesus. It's black and white. They're yours right now. We don't have to wonder. And so we push it a little bit further to, to, to really solidify the idea that we are joint heirs with Jesus. God left us a last will and testament. You know, the will of God is, I mean, it, it does have some external aspects. You know, uh, one husband, one wife, uh, treat your kids well, honor your parents, you know, all, all, the, all the stuff that's out, all the commandments. That when it does say the will of God, don't be getting drunk, don't be you know, drinking too much wine at communion, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that is part of what the Bible calls the will of God. But when you're talking about what you experience from God, the will of God is wrapped up in what he left to Jesus, and then Jesus shares with us. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned it a few times here lately, but how, how many of you have taken the process to draft a will, and you've chosen who you're going to leave, you know, your stuff to? One person. Okay, there's a few, few of you. It's, it's very, very specific. You don't just accidentally create a legal document to leave someone to somebody, right? Or something to someone. It's very specific. It's very intentional, the process that you go through, and you decide all these things that you have, who you're going to leave them to, how you're going to leave it to them. You could even determine what age you're going to leave things to certain people. That's what God has done. He said, okay, I've got heaven here. This is what I have to leave. And I, I've given it to Jesus, and he has qualified for it. He has earned it by his own faith. And then Jesus says, okay, let's share it with them too. Whoever comes to you, Father, through me, they get it all too. They're joint heirs with me. They're your children as well. They are, inherit, they are heirs of heaven. They are, in fact, I think Ephesians calls us heirs of God. We have inherited God. I mean, just think about that. I have inherited God. 
You have to think about that one this week a little bit. That's your homework. Meditate on that one. <laughs> what scripture is? Somebody find that scripture that we're heirs of God. It's in Ephesians, I think. But anyway, so <clears throat> that means that it is your right as a child of God to have health and life. It's not, well, I wonder if God wants it for me. And, and it's not if I'm in the right type of charismatic vein or I get all this stuff working the right way, then healing is available for me. No, it's available for everyone. If you're in Christ, in fact, you already have everything that he has for you. It just has not yet manifested and yielded into your life. Now, people get nervous when you start talking about healing because the word faith comes up. Jesus said so many times that when he would perform a miracle or when someone would come to him and ask him to perform a miracle or when someone would, somebody else would bring them to him or Paul even, their faith is always involved in healing. He would say, they would come to him, Jesus, heal me. Uh, do you believe that I can do this? Well, yeah, I believe that you can do this. Okay, well, be it done unto you according to your faith. He would heal someone else. Your faith has made you whole. So the problem with that, though, is some of the teaching that we've been given is, all right, so now it's a faith <clears throat> issue. Romans 8, 17, we're heirs of God. Romans 8, 17. Would you mind reading that? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Yeah. And that word suffer means to identify with him. Yeah, the word suffer there means to, uh, to identify, which is interesting because that's where I'm going with this. So faith is not something that you have to get more of. Like you can be more spiritual and then you get more faith and then you get bigger cars. That's, that's not... That's not really what it's about. I mean, God doesn't mind you having a car, nice house, whatever, you know. It's not, that's just not what it's about. It's about experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. And if you have nice things on this planet in addition to that, cool. But for us to experience what God has for us, we have to realize we are hidden with Christ in God, raised, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't have to wonder, does God want me heal, healed? Does God want to provide for me? And here's the, here's the thing. He wants it for everybody else too, even unbelievers. There wasn't one person born again that Jesus healed. They were all sinners, dead in their old nature, and Jesus healed them. In fact, I, you know, sometimes it's easier to get unbelievers healed because they know they don't qualify it, qualify for it. Have you had that experience, those of you that have, you know, made it a practice of praying for people? People on the street that that's like, they, they just receive. They don't know that they're not good enough. They know, well, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. They know they're not good enough. That's not even the, the concepts of how they approach God. So to deal with the faith issue, you have to realize I live, the, ex, the faith that I exercise is from the place of acceptance with God. Because by the one offering, you've been made holy. By the one offering, that you've been sanctified and made holy. And those who he has sanctified are complete. You're finished. So prayer is not, God, will you heal me? 
God, will you heal this person? Prayer is, God, you've given it to me. I trust you. And then you engage your heart with the promise, and it should manifest. Really, that's about it. I mean, all this other stuff that we have built on that with healing teaching, I mean, it just gets complicated. It gets confusing. It puts us in a position to start judging ourselves, judging other people, and, and lastly, judging God. Because that's what we do. It's like we, we become idealists. We say, okay, if it's true that by his stripes I'm healed, and Jesus prayed that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and I am a joint heir, then you should just give it to me, God. I should just have it. Well, what's, why are you playing games, God? What's going on? And so then we get this attitude toward God and blame him and judge him as if he's withholding something from us. And what you have done, if you go that path, is bought into the original lie in the Garden of Eden from the serpent that God's withholding something from you. That God has something else to give you that you can go get through knowledge and intellect on your own. See, the reason people are not experiencing healing is not because of a lack of information. You know more than you ever need to know. Why then? Why does this one get 50% healed? This one gets 20% healed. This one gets all the way healed. I've known one person, I've seen them get more personal miracles than anybody else that I've ever seen. Heavy stuff, cancer, sciatica, bulging discs, healed in the same body. Amazing. You know, y'all have heard the story, uh, you know, I've just... It's kind of one of my favorite ones to tell. Up on a mountain in Kenya, most of these people had never heard of Jesus, never heard of the, the gospel, didn't know what a Bible was. And I'm through an interpreter preaching to a couple of hundred people. And man, the kids just start jumping up and running around. And all the women, they sit separate from each other, the men up front, the women in the back with the kids. And all the kids are running around. And I'm thinking, well, that's just what kids do. But they were, they were all excited because the kids were getting healed of malaria and typhoid just from hearing the gospel. Amen. Hadn't even started to pray for anyone yet. And every one of them either got healed or got born again. And then we were there for three days and they started coming up to us and telling us stories that all the animals were healed too. <laughs> now, I didn't go to Kenya thinking that animals were going to get healed. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just off my grid. I'm like, oh. I learned something. Yeah, I wasn't, I, didn't, I wasn't even trying to have faith for that. That's just the, that's just the fruit of the gospel. It, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. Honestly, I think the reason a lot of people aren't more consistently exercise, or, or functioning in the gift of healing or personally experiencing healing is because it's not found, the, the environment that we're going for that type of stuff is not the gospel. Because the fruit of the gospel is salvation. Healing, wholeness, soundness, preservation. And the gospel is God's no longer holding your sin against you. You can be reconciled to God through Christ. In his blood is righteousness by faith. You're a citizen of heaven in Christ. That's the gospel of the kingdom. You know, so I, I, I'm going to put a few ideas out here. I don't want to try to, you know, there's so much teaching on healing. 
My goal is not to say this is how to do miracles or this is why you can't get healed or this is why that. I'm really not trying to put fine points on that. I'm trying to just bring our collective expectation up to a place where we should be seeing miracles in our own lives and we should be able to walk in this power, lay hands on people and then recover. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you want to, you, do you, honestly, do you know who sees more miracles than anybody else on the planet? The people who pray for more people. <laughs> Real spiritual, right? I mean, just, just get your hands on people. Honestly, we, we get afraid. If you're afraid, it's about you. If you're concerned about the results, when I pray for this person, are they going to get healed? If they don't get healed, what does that mean about me? What does that mean about them? What am I going to have to tell them? What kind of teaching am I going to have to give them as an excuse of why they didn't get healed? What do I have to tell them about God? You know what I mean? But if your motivation is love, if you can stand in front of someone and you have nothing but compassion for this person, you see what they're going through, you identify with what they're suffering with, what's going on with them, and the Spirit of God rises up within you that desires to touch this person and make their body whole. Man, love never fails. Love is the environment for miracles to work. It just is. Now, am I saying that you can manufacture and generate compassion for people and go out and get more consistent miracles? Not really. I mean, you know, I'm... I'm I'm just kind of presenting some, a way of thinking out here that, that should draw us. Because honestly, nobody can, we don't have the words for this. Because it's spiritual stuff, we don't have the words for it. You know, nobody can teach you, other than the Holy Spirit, how to consistently connect with God to receive the benefits of the covenant and for how to you to walk in the gifts consistently. We can give each other our, our we can read scripture we can know that it's there. Informationally, we know that we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. We know that. We've seen it happen. Some of us have. How many of you have personally experienced ever some type of physical healing in your body? I mean, that's like everybody. <clears throat> One. I was in coma for 10 years. A coma for 10 years. Walking well, well, coma. My Didn't goodness. I lost 10 years of my life. Oh my goodness. Wow. And all of a sudden I woke up. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everybody's like, I'm putting my hand back down. Because I had a toe that one time was. <laughs> Sorry, my OCD's kicking in. There we go. <laughs> we, we prayed for uh, Cheryl in between services. Man, I leaned down and put my hand on her knee and I didn't even say anything. Just instantly, I could feel a, sh a change. You know, I couldn't really describe it. You know, I think that's the problem. We try to put words to spiritual stuff too much, and it's like let's just let God be God and enjoy the experience. You know, we, we can use language for what we can, but do we really have to articulate everything? I think that's why, you know, people are so impotent in the power because we try to explain it all. Anyway. Let me explain it a little further. <laughs> the gospel is the power of God, right? 
The gospel is the power of God unto healing, wholeness. So I'm not trying to create a method, but I think the more the gospel is focused on, the more salvation will be the fruit. Everybody that Jesus healed, he preached the gospel. They heard it. They, or they heard of him, and they, they wanted him because of what they heard. It inspired faith. It inspired them to reach out. Even the children of Israel, it was like he sent Moses and, he, and, and gave them a promise. Come with me. I'm the deliverer. Follow me. God wants to dwell among you. And they followed him out, you know, and God performed miracles on the way. But the issue is, and this is, this is kind of where I'm getting down to, the issue is that God told the Israelites, the reason you did not enter into the promised land was because you did not mix faith in your heart with the promise. Your heart was hard toward God. God didn't want them wandering for 40 years. I mean, what, what, what was it like a 21-day journey, 14-day journey from one place to the other, two or three weeks? They could have marched straight through. You know, we, I, we don't know all the details of all of that, but it wasn't that God said, hey, did you guys have fun wandering around in the desert for 40 years? It took you that long to learn patience. No, he said, you didn't enter in where I wanted you to go because you in your heart didn't trust me. Now, God's not withholding from them because they didn't trust him. The issue is God is spiritual, and everything that God has for you exists in this potential realm called spirit that is accessed by faith. When you access spirit by faith, grace comes alive inside of you, and it's like the building blocks. In fact, it even says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is what you use. It's a response to what God has done, and then grace begins to build these things into your life. He told the Israelites, the reason you're not experiencing this is because you did not mix faith in your heart with the promise. So I want to kind of jump, skip here a little bit and talk about the old covenant uh, system of the sacrifice. You know, you brought your sacrifice down to the temple, brought it to the priest. The priest would examine the sacrifice. If the sacrifice was acceptable, your sin was removed ceremonially from you, placed ritually onto this sacrifice. The sacrifice was slaughtered, and your sins were atoned for, you know, for however long, for a year if it was Yom Kippur. But, you know, I ran across some interesting things, and I'd studied this out, but I'd forgotten it. But the process of the removal of the sin onto the lamb, what the priest was doing is this Hebrew process called shmika. And shmika is when the priest does what he is ordained to do, then you, your part of shmika is to look at the sacrifice, visualize and physically experience that that should be me. That sacrifice should have been me. And one rabbi talks about it in such a way where he says what, you, what they were to do is project their energy or their life essence into what it must have been like to be this being so that they were actually engaged in the process. They weren't just sitting back going, 
All right, when's the priest going to be done? You know, they, they, were, they were connected to it. They were committed to the process of this lamb, this goat, whatever it was, being their sacrifice, being in place of what they should have been. They, engage, they were supposed to engage their hearts with what was happening to this thing so that they personally experienced a freedom, an atonement, a lifting off of sin, a, a forgiveness from God. You know, that, you think about that. That's where we are in Christianity with religion. It's like, I just want to sit there and observe. And then God is supposed to do these things for me. And we're not engaging our hearts. You know, one of the reasons we're not engaging our hearts is we've been hurt. We've been hurt by people. We've been hurt by churches, pastors. I mean, you know, each other, parents, whatever. This is just a hurt world. So it's hard for us to get and connect with our hearts and engage with what Jesus has done for us to the degree that it begins to birth within us and, and, and become established in our lives. See, it's true of you spiritually. But for you to be born again and not engage your heart, mix faith with the promise, puts you in a position where you're really not much different than unbelievers, than people who are not born again. Because... It's true for you spiritually. The Spirit of God lives within you. But if you're not accessing that Spirit of God, you're just a, a bag of flesh and bones just like everybody else on this planet. Faith reaches into spirit. And it's like plugging, it's like plugging in the socket, you know? It's like flipping the switch on in the, on the wall. It's there. The electricity's there, but faith connects to it. Faith doesn't make it happen. Faith is not what convinces God to then start releasing things for you. Faith is just your response of yes. Now, here's the thing. No one can teach you how to actually exercise faith because it's a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual thing. Do you, under, you understand what I'm saying? That's a very personal process between you and God that you can hear about, you can learn about, you can teach, you can read 27 books on faith and the operation of faith. You can read the Bible 19 times and read all about faith and become very well versed on it, but not really engage your heart with that spiritual aspect of God that lives within you. I wish I could teach you how to do that. Maybe I'm wrong and there is a way that I can, but I really think that that's the Holy Spirit's job. So it's up to you. Are you going to do that? Are you going to open your heart to the degree that you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to walk by faith? Because when you walk by faith, it accesses grace, and grace just immediately begins to establish the promises in your life. Because we are saved by grace through faith. You are healed by grace. Grace is what does the healing. Faith accesses the grace. I think it's Romans uh, 5 that it says that uh, we... we let, me, let me just flip over there. Y'all don't mind if I read from the Bible, do you? <laughs> Normally that's all we do, but this is a subject that's so broad. <clears throat> all right. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace where we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That word hope is a confident expectation. The word glory 
is the view and opinion of. So we confidently and expect, we confidently expect God's view and opinion to be established in our lives by grace, and we access that by faith. Now, this doesn't mean you've got to run out and try to start figuring how to get faith to work. You know, I use this illustration a lot, but faith is not the crowbar in your hand that you run up to God's throne and storm the gates of heaven and you convince God with your faith. God, look at my faith. And then it's, oh, here, you should have this then. You know, no, faith is a response. I think that's what makes it difficult so to, to consistently walk in faith and experience grace because the flesh only hinders the process. And we're so carnal and flesh-minded that we think, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? How do I get this to work? How do I get it to work? How do I get it to work? The fact that you're doing that is making it not work. So this, this thing of shmika, I, I, just, I wanted to bring up the idea of when the sacrifice was being performed, you were to engage. You were to see yourself. Now, Jesus did that also. When God was performing the sacrifice, and Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, when God was doing that, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was just a, a symbol for us to look at that sacrifice and engage and believe in what he went through for us, but conversely, he in that sacrifice looked at us and projected and engaged what it was like to be us. We're to look at him and see and what he went through, we should have gone through. What he received, we received. What he was, the penalty he received should have been our penalty. But also, he looked at us and said, I dive into their darkness. I dive into their humanity. I dive into the middle of their sin to the degree that I literally become sin. So God, Jesus' aspect of that whole sacrificial process was to know what it was like to become you. And it wasn't just symbolic like under the old covenant. He took on your sin nature. Now, in light of healing, I say this because to participate in old covenant forgiveness, to participate in new covenant receiving of eternal life and the gift of eternal righteousness, it comes from you doing something in your heart and engaging what's presented and available in Jesus. Every other aspect of salvation is the same way. We look at Jesus. We see what he did. We know that we are joint <coughs> heirs with him. We are heirs of God, that by his stripes we are healed, that he said, lay hands on the sick and those people will recover. Are we ourselves to experience healing and deliverance exercising faith or, or putting our faith out there, however you want to say it. You know, I mean, I, I realize every way you, everybody's got their favorite way to say it and favorite faith and grace teachers and all that, but whatever it looks like for you for faith to be active. I mean, how, have you ever done that? It's like, you just, it's like you shut yourself off and it's like, God, do something. And you're just dead. Or you come in and you try to worship or you try to pray in some aspect of your life, and it's like, man, you just, pff, nothing. You just feel completely cut off. And what we do is we say, well, God's being silent. God has 
lifted his hand of anointing off of me. Or whatever stuff that we say. Man, God hasn't gone anywhere. That wall that we're experiencing is our own hearts. And we have to get over ourselves, get over our own attitudes, our hurts, our judgments of ourselves, of God, of each other, and soften our hearts toward Him so that we can put our faith out there to trust Him. But it's been hurt, you know? It's hard sometimes because last time you tried, it didn't work. So can you do it again? And again. And again. And never give up because the promise is there. So for other people, this idea of the priest, an ambassador for God, actually doing something. It wasn't just ceremonial. There was something going on within the person who was receiving the benefit of the sacrifice. The word, the phrase, laying on of hands, comes from the idea of shmika. You know, it never, when Jesus said, uh, talked about us operating in the power and the gift of healing, he didn't say, go pray for people and they'll get healed. He didn't say, go find somebody that needs healing, ask me to heal them, and then I'll show up and heal them. What he said was, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The phrase laying hands on the sick comes from the old covenant sacrificial aspect of Shemekah of that person putting faith in this sacrifice to know that their forgiveness, that should have been them. So here's the thing. Personally, are we doing that to receive healing? And then are we presenting the gospel? Are we presenting Jesus in such a way where it inspires this person to exercise faith or to put faith out there or to however you want to say it, open their heart toward Him? Because in that is the power of God unto salvation. Now, we've all heard stories where it's like, you know, a coma even, or somebody's dead, you know, they don't, they, how can a dead person exercise faith? So there are the times where, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put a nice little bow on this. I'm leaving the door wide open. There are those times where your faith can get somebody else healed. You know, I like the way Andrew Womack says it. He says, it doesn't matter if it's your faith or my faith. As long as there's some faith present, healing can happen. Now, people would argue with that, I'm sure, but, you know, that we do have those circumstances where you can't really define it. But for the most part, for you to operate in the gift of healing, number one, you just got to get your hands on people. Number two, you recognize you are an ambassador. You're a king and a priest under the new covenant of God with the authority to, to administer the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we are. We're ambassadors in Christ's place to go into this world, tell people God's not holding their sin against them, communicate the gospel, and miracle signs and wonders should follow that. And you have the power of God in you to release it, to manifest it, to let it ooze out, to let it drip, I don't know, whatever words you want to use for manifestation. Healing can happen because we represent God and He lives within us. And as we shmika as we lay hands on people, there can be a transference, not from you to this person, but from heaven to this person. Yeah. You're the doorway. You're the gate. You carry heaven. You represent heaven. 
It's like you open the door. You help them open the door of their heart, their mind, you know. But, but, but it's, it's an engaging process. Now, I don't, have you ever done this where you, you're praying for somebody and you feel like you're trying to work something up? You ever done that? I've done that. You're praying for somebody. And then you try it another way another time. It's like, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just, you know, she's laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you that have really gone for this stuff, you try everything. And it works this way one time, works this way another time. The next time you try that again, it's like, wow, I don't know what happened. You know? I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to explain all that stuff. I don't know that we'll ever have answers this side of eternity for that. But God wants it for us. It's in the inheritance that we have. He's called us to go into the world and operate in those gifts. And something happens. Y'all okay with that? Is that spiritual enough for you? Something's going to happen. Get your hands on people and believe. And if your motivation is love, you're not worried about an excuse. You know, I think it's, I think it's wrong to go into the world thinking, I'm going to go pray for people to get miracles. I think what we should be thinking is, I'm going to go lay hands on people so they can experience the love of God. And if they get healed in the process, bonus. Now that might be an easy way out, because I do believe we should expect healing. But you know what I'm saying. If your only desire is for this person to experience the love of God, but there's an obvious need for healing, and you minister to this person in such a way that they, are, they feel loved, they, you have communicated the gospel, God's love to them, they know, who, they know what Jesus is all about, and you walk away and they're not healed, you, you don't have to come up with some excuse of why they didn't get healed. But if your focus is healing, 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 you know, you're, you're just an externalist. You're only seeing the foot, you're not seeing the spirit. Love has to be the environment within us. It's got to be the environment that we put those people in if we're wanting them to exercise faith, to experience and receive. And love never fails. Even if you don't see the result, love won't fail. Your act of kindness and compassion and love toward that person will bear fruit somehow. I mean, even Jesus went into his hometown. Is like, except for laying his hands on a few sick folk, he couldn't do anything in that town. Really? I mean, that's fascinating to me. You would think God manifested as a human on this earth could walk up and touch anyone and under his own will just heal anyone of anything. But he couldn't. You know, some of us is like, that's our out. It's like, well, Jesus couldn't heal people, so I'm not going to heal people. You know? <laughs> But, but it just goes to show that we don't necessarily need to run around worrying about the results. We don't necessarily need to run around trying to get every person. Because if it, idealistically we could just always operate in the gift, then let's, let's get up, let's go down to the cancer treatment center and just heal them all. You know, Jesus didn't even do that. How many sick people do you think he walked by? Then you say, well, you know, he only did what God told him to do and said what God told him to say, so God was choosing who he was going to heal and who he's not going to heal. Oh, man, we complicate it. We're crazy. We got so many things we can come up with of why we shouldn't have to lay hands on people. Or is it just me? Yeah. 
don't worry, we're not shifting the focus of the church to now put all the gifts and all that stuff up front. Jesus is always going to be up front here. Jesus is always the focus. We will always focus on the gospel, helping people become established in their identity in Christ. But I, I, I want to see this as well. I want to see, and we do, you know. I mean, you, buddy, you just shared a testimony. Was it last week, two weeks ago? Somebody, you were just out doing your job, and this woman gets healed. Praise God. I, do, I, I also don't have the mindset that, uh, that what's going to save the world is if every Christian figures out how to start operating in miracles. Like, that's what's going to bring the revival, is we all start doing miracles, you know. Well, Jesus and his boys did a bunch of miracles, and they wanted to kill him, mostly. I mean, that's what the religious response was. You would think the church, oh, there's miracles. This is, this is the Messiah. No, it was a little kill him. I don't like that. He's doing it on the wrong day. You, you realize that? They wanted to kill him because he did a miracle on the Sabbath. Oh, my goodness. Stephen did miracles and uh, talked about Jesus being the Messiah right in front of these guys. He's doing miracles, and they were so angry, the Pharisees, they started biting him and chewing on him. I mean, if that's not demonic, I don't know what is. So, you know, miracles aren't going to make everybody love Jesus. I, I'm not flipping all of our theology around to now we're going to be the miracle church. It's just, you know, it should be a part of the gospel. Amen. And we just want to see the power displayed. In, in, in conjunction with ministering the gospel. Always going to be about the gospel. Father, we, we thank you. We just open our hearts to be taught by you. That's all we want, Lord, is we want you to be glorified in our lives. We don't want to make things complicated. We don't want to make things about us doing things for you. We just want to be good stewards of the spirit that you've placed in us. We want to be open to be led by you and walk in whatever degree of power you're, you're leading us to walk in. And, and we, just not, we don't want to limit you. We don't want to boil our Christian experience down to the level of our unbelief. I want to engage my heart with every promise that you say is possible for me and then every gift that you say is possible for me to walk in toward others. Father, just use us. Live through us. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to walk according to your leading. Amen.